You're listening to Ben and Bikes with your host, Ben Lockett. This podcast is about bikes, but more about the people who ride them and their stories, and less about frame size, shock technology, or even the Tour de France. This is Ben and Bikes, where every bike tells a story. The Ben and Bikes podcast is sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance agency that helps health conscious people like cyclists get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com forward slash BAB to support this show and learn how your active lifestyle choices can reduce your life insurance premiums. There is a saying that sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees. For my American friends, a wood is the same thing as a forest, although slightly smaller, but that's really not important right now. Translation. In this crazy world where we spin around the cities and communities where we live at breakneck speeds, we forget to stop and look around and take into account what we typically just take advantage of. So what better way to do this than on a bike? Today's guest joining us from Denmark is Oliver Anderson, the urban bicycle explorer. Oliver is a resident of the great city of Copenhagen. I have some personal experience of Copenhagen. I will come on to that later in the podcast and owner of the website behindhandlebars.net. He also lives under the same name on Instagram and Facebook. Born and raised in Copenhagen, a bicycle has always been an important aspect of Oliver's life and how he experiences his city. And the decision to show Copenhagen from a perspective that is very Danish, behind the handlebars, was therefore a natural way of documenting his life and his city. His goal is to inspire people all around the globe to bike and use it as a tool for exploration and pleasure in their life. What a great idea. Every single one of Oliver's photographs features the handlebars of the bike that he is riding. He also solicits similar photographs from people that follow him around the world. All you have to do is tag any photo with the hashtag behind handlebars. And there's a page on his website that catalogs these photos on a world map. He says, instead of just pedaling past things as I normally did, I stopped, stopped and actually looked at my city. It was wonderful. So Oliver Anderson, welcome to the Ben and Bikes podcast. Uh, and thank you very much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Ben. So what makes Copenhagen such a wonderful city, Oliver? Uh, oh, I mean, that's a broad question, you know. I'm probably also a bit biased now that I live here. <laughs> uh, first of all, of course, uh, starting with the most relevant, the bikes, I think, are absolutely amazing. I've traveled to many, many places in the world. And what I always come back to is this small little town called Copenhagen. It's just comparatively to any other place. It's just so conveniently close to everything in the city. Um, and I just absolutely love that. And that makes it possible to get such a great bike culture that we have in Copenhagen because it's, it's, it's literally the fastest way to get around the city. And you can't do it fast in a car. Uh, yes, more, more on, the, uh, on what I've read about the amazing uh, bike infrastructure that exists in Copenhagen. I, I, I would only guess that it's sort of a gold standard as far as major cities around the world uh, are concerned. Yeah. Of course, the, you know, Denmark, I hope I'm right in saying, is part of Scandinavia. Is that correct? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. I, I, knew, I knew that was correct. From, I, I grew up in England, 
So I, I learned a lot about European geography. I always yeah. forget which countries are in are in Scandinavia and which countries yeah. are out. Uh, Finland yeah. is not part of Scandinavia, right? Uh, I would say it is. I would say it is as long, along with Iceland and Faroe Islands as well. Oh, okay. Then yeah. uh, uh, I've been living in America for, for too long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. It's all right. Um, but, uh, you know, the natural um, thought on for most people that I hear a, a, a country is in you know, the group of countries known as Scandinavia uh, is that uh, the weather can be pretty bad. But um, looking at the profile for weather in Copenhagen and um, it looks really great, actually. It does. Like Right now, it is really good. It's almost summer here. But to be honest, we have been waiting for it for so long. We don't go more than three weeks back where we had plenty of snow and wind and all that kind of stuff. Ah, so okay. right now, it's really good. Uh, but we also have a long, long winter uh, to go through before we get to this three, four months of brief sun, kind of. <laughs> Um, I spend a fair amount of time in Seattle on the uh, yeah. on the west coast of of the U.S. Uh, yeah. north, northwest coast, uh, and that is uh, notoriously wet and grey um, for, for I've many heard well. months of the year. But they have a huge cycling culture too. So I've seen that on social media. Yeah. So so we uh, we cyclists are hardy bunch. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we have to. Otherwise, the kind of what is the purpose of we only do it when it's good weather, right? That's exactly that's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I do have a small confession to make. I made uh, a reference to this in my introduction, but I did spend a long weekend in uh, Copenhagen uh, during yeah. during my stag night uh, a number of years ago uh, oh. when I came up there uh, with a bunch of friends just before I got married. Uh, yeah. I don't remember an awful lot about it, um, yeah. other than I didn't sleep very much, and I found no. myself um, handcuffed naked to a bicycle outside a club at five o'clock in the morning. Um, oh wow! Uh, yeah, which, that's exactly. Which some of my friends uh, uh, did that to me. Uh, I call them friends. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in <laughs> so I have very limited insight into the city. So I'd I'd love to know more about um, Copenhagen itself. I, uh, the, the, maybe some history about it, or just 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 paint a picture, uh, if you would, of this of the city of of Copenhagen. Oh yeah, I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a shot. Um, first of all, as I mentioned, it's really small. Everything everything is just smaller and closer located, and that also makes people come closer to each other. I think um, historically, oh, I don't know if I can bring any. It has been, it's an old city. It's an old harbor city built by kings many, many years ago. Denmark is still a monarchy, yes. um, which is uh, interesting. And interesting and a whole other story for, for itself, kind of. Right. Uh, but that also means there's some great architecture and some very old buildings and not necessarily many new buildings. We don't have a skyline. We don't have any skyscrapers per se here. So it's, it's very flat and it's very, um, very like cozy, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, located close by the water, and divided into some different parts of of, of, of Copenhagen. And we have the urban neighborhoods of Nørrebro, uh, if that makes any sense. I'll just say it in Danish, and Vesterbro and Østerbro, uh, which is kind of the western, northern, the western, eastern, and the northern bridges is the direct translation for it. Right. And along with the city center, where all the shops are and where tourists go, where are 
the Little Mermaid is close to, for example. That is ah, a yes. reference for people. I, I, I probably visited that when I was there. Um, yeah, it's possible. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's great. So tell us a little bit about you. Who Who is Oliver Anderson? I am uh, 25 years old, and I grew up here in Copenhagen and have been living here for almost all of my life, just taking out a few months to live abroad. Uh, but I've been living here, and I uh, currently work uh, part-time as a waiter, so I can get some time to do this behind handlebars project that I've been doing since 2015. Um, and. Uh, Yes, we get time for that. And that also means that I right now I'm actually taking time off from my studies this year so I can so I can dedicate my time to, to do this because what better way to spend your time than doing what you love and that's right. Or also deliver a message that you really care about and you think you have a good good cause. That's right. So I really enjoy my, my, my time right now. Uh, Oliver, what, what are you taking off time from studying? I actually studying, uh, studied uh, something called Asian Studies Program, so Chinese, East Asian culture and business. So that's a, that's a fair bit away, both from Denmark and from the project that I'm doing now. Also. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let, let's talk about Behind Handlebars. So how did you get started on the, on the project? What, what gave you the idea? I mean, it's, a, it's actually a number of steps that led to this project that I've like retrospectively thought out. Uh, it all started like most things do with a bike ride. Like, and this was probably back in 2014 already, where it was summer and I, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have any plans and it was just amazing weather. So I decided, hey, let's, I'm just going to go for a bike ride and like go, so, go somewhere. And then I thought about this. I don't really go to The Little Mermaid or the Emanuelberg castle where the queen lives it's only where tourists go and i just thought how about i just don't go see that because it's literally within two kilometers of where everyone lives in copenhagen sort of so i thought to myself i'm gonna go and just gonna see these places and stop and try look at copenhagen with the eyes of a tourist like how would a tourist see copenhagen and pay attention to the architecture and the vibe in the city and just see it more objectively than subjectively and instead of yeah you mentioned it very brilliant in in the, in the introduction to see the forest from from trees i think that was what you said right right well yeah, I, exactly yes i said wood for the trees but forest for the trees uh yeah, you, that's, you, you just converted it <laughs> yeah. for for my american friends now they'll understand it that's perfect that's perfect <laughs> but uh, that was uh, that was what i thought and uh, i did that and i found that absolutely amazing and uh uh, that was kind of where the first love to that kind of biking that I've kind of implemented in the in the project. The next phase was that I bought a GoPro camera for a trip to China. Um, and that was where I started experimenting with uh, a bit with photography and, and video and social media in general, because I thought in this time and age we live in now, I also think it's amazing how you can get a voice that is so direct as social media is today. And I experimented around with that and always came back to the bike because I was biking every day. I bike to work, I bike to visit my family, I bike to uh, my studies, and I even bike when I go out for drinks in town and probably also bike back when I shouldn't. 
So that kind of all made sense to just figure out something with, with this bike and this GoPro camera and this city that I just recently started to really, really grow fond of. And yeah, with like nothing I've ever experienced before, I got really closely attached to Copenhagen from, from these bike rides. Yep. Um, the next step was uh, kind of the, the concept itself. Uh, and that was maybe the most amazing thing about it because it was actually just one night when I went to sleep. I came up with this, like it just came to me, this life behind bars, life behind handlebars. And then I knew this is it. This is what I want to do. And this is how I want to portray my city and and deliver the message as well. And from that day, I I just started the next morning and brought my camera out for the bike ride when when I went to my university and took some pictures. And that was the first photos that I took and put up on the Instagram page. And they're still there today. And for me, it's so funny to look back on those pictures because I am not a photographer. And even now, I wouldn't consider myself a photographer just in the sheer light of the real photographer friends that I have because I don't know much about photography. I know a lot about this perspective that I've used and the possibilities of this GoPro camera that I used. Um, But it's just fun to look back on those those pictures and just see how much it has developed from that very, very yeah, poorly edited photos that I put up, but it resonated very well with people. And that's what I figured out the whole way. There hasn't been any like explosive growth of the project and explosive interest. It has been just a natural growth. And the, the more that I was engaged in the community, the more it came back to the, to me and followed my, my, my project and, and, and really liked my pictures. So that's kind of the story. And then it, I was just persistent and I've been doing it almost every day until now. Taking a pause from the Ben and Bikes podcast for a couple of minutes for a message from People for Bikes. Every day, two dozen People for Bikes staffers go to work at our Colorado headquarters, in the field, and in Washington, D.C. Our team focuses on making every bike ride safer, easier to access, and more fun. One way we do this is by monitoring all 50 state legislatures for bills related to bike riding and taking action to push them through or defeat them. Often what we find surprises us. Today's installment of Surprising Bike Legislation comes to us from Big Sky Country, the state of Montana. Last year, Senator Scott Sales of Montana amended a bill to drag his dislike for bike riders into a law that dealt with a very real threat to the state's water quality caused by invasive aquatic species. The amendment was introduced by sales as an April Fool's joke and was ultimately passed by the entire state Senate. It would have required each out-of-state bike rider to register their bike with the state for a $25 fee to obtain an invasive species bicycle sticker. That would mean a family of four visiting Montana for a vacation with bikes would cost $100 in registration fees. People for Bikes worked with local advocates and businesses to launch a grassroots and media campaign against the Senate bill, quickly exposing this foolish amendment and having it removed in the Montana House of Representatives. To keep track of bills like this in your hometown, join People for Bikes at peopleforbikes.org slash ben. It's free and helps make bike riding better for everyone. And now back to the Ben and Bikes podcast. Um, 
you you say that you're not uh, a photographer, but I think that line uh, is very blurred these days with, um, you know, the very definition of a photographer. Um, I agree. Uh, everybody's got a camera in their pocket these days. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. that didn't used to be the case. And uh, no. you must be taking some good photographs because I see on your uh, your Instagram page, uh, yeah. That you have um, almost thirty thousand followers, which is uh, so. What I'm saying is, uh, there are people from all over the world that think you are a great photographer. <laughs> Otherwise, that's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> but I think the photographer, like the, the photography thing, is a uh, kind of a skill set, almost a job that I I, I consider it that way. Like yes. being a photographer, you have to have a certain knowledge about taking photography taking photos and a certain knowledge about how a camera works and how you can adjust it. And also maybe have taken courses in it or have taken, like did something to acquire a specific knowledge about being a photographer. Yeah. And that is what I've seen from the friends that I have that actually are photographers that work for newspapers, for example. They have a whole different kind of knowledge and skill set that I have. And that's also why that I think it's weird for me to say that I'm a photographer because I only know how to press capture on a camera. And then on the way I've learned to, to do that well and find out what works for a picture from behind handlebars. Yeah. But I'm not a photographer for anything else. I actually forget to take pictures if I go traveling. Uh, if it's not for my project, I always forget to document my trips, for example, and take <laughs> pictures of the ones that I hold dear. My last uh, podcast interview was with uh, Martin Eberlin, uh, who is a guy who rode his bike 1,600 miles um, oh, from wow. North Dakota all the way through to Illinois to uh, document to uh, document via photog- photographs. Uh, yeah. the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline, the oil pipeline that goes across those oh, four yeah, states. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, there is someone who's would defini- by the very definition of just what he has studied and, and what mm. he does for a living, he would be one form of, uh, of, of a photographer for, for sure. Um, Definitely. But it's yeah. amazing how, how that um, definition uh, has, has changed significantly over the last four or five years, I would say. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's also about mindset because everyone yes. could call themselves a photographer. That's true. That's true. A lot of people probably call themselves a photographer without being it. Yes. So it's, it's really how uh, how humble you are. And right. we Danes are very humble about what we do. There you go. Uh, and it's, it's actually really funny because I went to L.A. last uh, week ah. to visit a friend who was studying there. And what we came to talk about is that in Los Angeles, you say what you want to be. For example, you say you are a writer, you say you are a actor, but you work at a restaurant, and that's actually what you do. But <laughs> the other way around, we Danes, we say what we do. I have really tough time like talking about, yeah, I have this project. Like This is what I do. This is what I want to do. I often find myself saying, yeah, I'm in between studies or I'm a part-time waiter and then I'm doing this thing on the side. Uh, just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. We are very uh, humble and that's not necessarily a good thing, I'd say. Yes. Uh, I, I've met a number of Danes around the world and they're all great people. So uh, I think if one of the characteristics are that you don't like to uh, shout too much about what you do uh, yeah. then, and that makes you a good person, then keep at it. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's all right as well. I think so. So, uh, big big project being on, being going on for for a few years at the, at this point. What mm. do you hope to achieve with uh, behind handlebars project? Um, yeah, what I want to achieve. Uh, recently, I mean, during the past year uh, was when I figured out that people really subscribe to this idea of exploring the world. And that's when I really started to dig into this, as you also mentioned in the beginning, using the hashtag to, to, to show that I'm not the only one doing this. And this is something that people, they subscribe to all around the world and want to be a part of. Um, and I started implementing that, created my website with a map where I manually implement, like input pictures that people post. And it's just absolutely incredible to see like visually how many people have put up pictures on that hashtag from so many different places. And that's very overwhelming to see. Right. And what I want is to make, because now, right now that is all digital. And that sounds weird because I see the pictures, but I don't know the people. It's pictures that I see and it's profiles that I look at, but I don't know the people. What I really want is to, to make this whole idea real. And the first step towards doing that is something that I've implemented here in Copenhagen called Sundays Behind Handlebars, where we meet once a month. And for now, I pick a route that we cycle and I go for, I pick some, some, some places that people might haven't seen or I think it's great that I've discovered through my project, and we go for that route. And it's not for people that ride road bikes. It is if they want to join, but the whole notion is that it's the slowest one that sets the pace, mm -hmm. and we just have a chat and, and look at the city. Right. And uh, it's been difficult to start that during the winter in Copenhagen, uh, but it's slowly getting, getting, getting traced now. And actually, from next month, it's also starting in one of the other big cities in Denmark called Odense, um, where it's also going to start throughout the summer and someone they actually wanted to, to, to do this, what I do in Copenhagen and stop doing this under the same name. Um, so the ultimate goal would be to have different chapters around the world. Mm. So you knew when, because I think bike cycling is just the perfect way to both explore a place that you know or don't know necessarily, but it's also a great a medium for people to meet each other is what I figured out, actually. And that worked way better than what I anticipated first, because biking is also a very social activity, I figured out from these bike rides, because you ride two and two, and you get to talk to someone that you might never have talked to before. And although that we were maybe eight people for the second edition of the Sundays Behind Hilton Bars in Copenhagen, we had both some of my friends, some Danes that I didn't know, and some tourists that just found it uh, on the internet or followed my project and came along. Right. And you get to talk on all sorts of different people. And it's very intimate because you do something while you have a chat with a person you might never know. For example, I my 60-year-old my dad, he joined me for, for the last trip and he got to talk with a young student from London huh. while biking. Huh. And I think that's a beautiful notion. And I would love to do that if I, for example, went to Tokyo, that there were was a Tokyo chapter of this where I could go for a bike ride and someone really knowledgeable about the city say, okay, this is where we're going to drive and then grab a coffee afterwards. So kind of make this whole community that I'm, I hope to build and really working to build, to make that real and make that something global. I think that's a, that's a tremendous uh, goal. Um, what's stopping you from doing that? That sounds amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, but it's very, it's in the early stages now. Right. So first step is to just get it to be a national thing, I think, and uh, then hopefully get in touch with someone that would like to do it. So this is also an encouragement to anyone out there. If they want to do something similar, go for some very cozy bike rides in your city, let me know because it's tons of fun and it's a great way to just meet people and be social and bike and be outside. So you heard it here on the Ben and Bikes podcast, the exclusive <laughs> launch of the global phenomena uh, to be known as Behind Handlebars uh, coming to a city near you. Exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> that's great. So I did uh, I did see on your Instagram feed that it says Next Up USA. Um, yeah. And I assume that's a, a little legacy because you may have already done that with your trip to Los Angeles. Is that accurate? <laughs> Uh, that's true. I forgot to update it. That happens sometimes. All right. Very good. So how did you uh, enjoy your trip to Los Angeles? I thought it was uh, way above expectation, actually. Um, one thing was uh, the, the biking, of course. I'm going to start with that because that's also one of the one of the things that I wanted to do. My trip was kind of twofold. So I'm going to start with the whole biking thing. I thought, I thought when before I got there that it was going to be completely chaotic and cars all over the place and might also be a bit dangerous because it wasn't a city used to to riding bikes but it was actually above expectation there are really good bike paths all around the city and also some, some designated ones where it's only for bikes right and i love that the other part of my project was to just visit the city of course and Los Angeles is tremendous i'd say yep. uh, and i get why people they move there because I mean, coming from Denmark, where we have <laughs> a third of the days in a year to be rain days right. and cloudy, <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing to wake up every day and see blue skies <laughs> and get a perfect sunset every single day. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was equally surprised every day that I woke up and equally happy about it. So I get why people, they move there. And um, compared to, for example, New York, I think Los Angeles felt way more cultural and creative um, for example, the downtown area is, is very small compared to New York. And you can feel that there's a whole different vibe. There's all this creativity, movie, acting, and music, and art. All that is going on. And you can feel it and see it on the small buildings in the city and the people that you meet. Yeah. So also as a creative individual and a young man, it was just great to be in Los Angeles. And it helped that I knew someone there that could take me around. Yeah, that, that does help. Yeah, exactly. Because I think a lot of people, when they go to Los Angeles, they might get uh, the wrong impression of the city because they might only go to Hollywood Boulevard, Walk of Fame, and see that or the Hollywood side. Right. And that's all nice, but it's not. It's it's not Los Angeles, you know. Yeah. Hey there, podcast listener. We'll be right back to the show, so please don't touch that dial. It's time you got a reward for sweating up that hill on your bike. And we're very excited to tell you about a company called Health IQ, who kindly sponsor the Ben and Bikes podcast. Health IQ's customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. Bottom line, you invest in a healthy lifestyle and that investment should mean that life insurance is cheaper. See if you qualify by visiting healthiq.com forward slash BAB and take the Health IQ test. 
And now back to the podcast. Now, it's interesting that your uh, one of your observations was actually uh, Los Angeles is a fairly bike friendly city. Um, yeah, I've been there a number of times on business. And I would say, I actually have not had a chance to experience that. What I yeah. have experienced is the awful traffic situation that exists in LA. Uh, and, it, and if ever there was a city crying out for alternative options for transportation, uh, it's Los Angeles. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, my friends living there studying in Los Angeles, it takes them an hour to get yes. 15 kilometers. I don't know how much that is in miles, but that's an awful long time to go. And you could actually do that way faster on a bike. No doubt. Uh, absolutely. I think the biggest problem, the biggest, uh, yeah, the biggest, what can we say, the biggest hurdle of biking getting really big in Los Angeles is probably the weather because it's so hot. Right. Like no one wants to get into work after riding half an hour completely sweaty. Yes. And that's how it is the most of the year, I think. So, well, it is. That's a problem. It, it is. But more and more American companies are realizing that people want to ride bikes or, or run to work or, or something else. Yeah. Um, and they are providing shower facilities at, at work. So that that's, oh, okay. uh, that's becoming more and more uh, popular. Uh, That's especially in places like California or somewhere progressive like San Francisco or Denver or Seattle, um, where yeah, there yeah. is such an active population. Yeah. How is it in Seattle? Is that also it's it's really big in Seattle biking, right? I'd love to hear uh, that. You should plan on that. Uh, Seattle is Seattle and what's known as the Pacific Northwest. So that would include Oregon as well. And yeah. Port Portland, um, both Portland and Seattle are huge, uh, have huge bike cultures. Um, yeah. Both both cities have huge bike rental programs or bike yeah. sharing uh, programs. There are bike lanes. Um, it's actually uh, re really well done. Yeah. Um, but it does rain, but you'll be used to that because you come from Denmark. Hey. <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> that's not going to be a problem just wear a proper raincoat and then there you go wear. right <laughs> so uh talking of that though and and copenhagen i, I read on uh, visitdenmark.com that copenhagen is effectively built for bikes uh it yeah, is so. yeah covered by a, an incredible 350 kilometer of cycle paths and lanes which are raised from the road and really safe to cycle on uh, yeah. According to their website, some city junctions even have flashing lights when cyclists approach to warn drivers before they turn. Uh, yeah. An incredible 45% of, of Copenhagen's population apparently commutes to work via yeah. a bicycle. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, we were alluding to the, the L.A. problem, but that's not unique to, uh, to L.A. for sure and the traffic problem that they have there. But yeah. you know, over here, America is certainly trying to dig itself out from the reliance on fo fossil fuel transportation. Yeah. Um, uh, I read that um, ridership of bikes nationwide has, has risen from like 300,000 in 2010 to more than 28 million trips in 2016. So it's huge. It's huge. Um, but... Um, you know, the Wall Street Journal just wrote an article whose headline reads, supporters of bike lanes say they prevent car and bike collisions, but critics complain about less parking and more congestion. So, yeah. um, so how does Copenhagen get this right? I think it is a matter of experience and history. I think in Copenhagen, it worked really effectively because in a very long time, it has been very expensive to buy a car in Copenhagen, in Denmark, in, the whole, in Denmark as a whole. 
I think you are, if you buy a car, you're taxed about 300%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that means that it's really expensive to get a car. Right. And of course, then it's also like, I've always thought that like getting a successful bike city is kind of, uh, it's tricky because it's the synergy, it's the combination of people starting to bike because that leads the government to incentivize it. But it's also government incentivization that leads to more people biking. So it's kind of have this whole synergy of going around and more and more people do it. And the government does more and more to make it efficient. So what I think is just because uh, Copenhagen is small. So of course, it also makes it easier to 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 make the decision of biking to work because it's probably not going to be more than six, seven, eight kilometers. And everyone can do that. And um, we are used to not having bikes. What I think also is the problem, for example, in the U.S., that the U.S. has been so reliant on cars for so many years that that is a tendency that's difficult to reverse, right. I'd say. Because it is true, bike lanes are taking up spaces for parking. And it is taking spaces up for yeah, making more congestion. Um, and that might be an inconvenience, but it's also an inconvenience that has to be there in order for something to change, I think. Right. Because it has to be, it has to be more of a hassle to take the car than a bike. And it can only do that by just simply make it more difficult. Like, right. So people don't want to do it anymore, I think. Yes, very, very uh, interesting perspective. Um, Americans, for the most part, are tied to their cars, plural. Um, yeah. Most people, most families have at least two or three. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's just unsustainable as the population uh, continues to, to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people they ride in just yeah one one person in a car and yeah. but also the cars are just way cheaper. So I guess it makes sense to buy a car. Yeah, I mean my friend in the U.S. studying right now, he bought a car for fifteen hundred dollars. Right, yes, and it's not even a problem. He just gave <laughs> the man fifteen hundred dollars, I think, and got the lease, and that was it. <laughs> it's way more expensive in Denmark to buy a car and complicated as well. And the gas is really expensive. So you have to have a certain amount of income before it even makes sense because it's just really expensive to have a car. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just refrains a lot of people from buying. Yes. This will be uh, music to the ears of uh, one of the sponsors of the Ben & Bikes podcast, uh, an organization over here called People for Bikes. Yeah. Um, and their goal is to uh, increase the number of people who are, are riding bikes to make mm. that a safer experience within cities uh, yeah. and to be a, a lobby group uh, in Washington, D.C. to help politicians understand the benefits of that um, for, for uh, citizens of this country. Um, yeah. So um, I'll put a I'll, I'm just throwing a little plug out there for an organization that's trying to make those changes uh, over here in the U.S. That's awesome. So uh, you've been, uh, you obviously most of your photographs coming from, from Copenhagen. Uh, you've mm. got some new content there from Los Angeles. Uh, where else have you, uh, have you taken photographs behind the handlebars? Uh, oh, yeah, a lot of places. A lot of European cities. Um, it's, uh, Europe is a small continent. Of course, you know that, but yeah. the Americans might not necessarily. The distances are not that long, and the flight tickets are quite quite cheap as well. Right. So I've taken it to Berlin, uh, Rome, uh, where else in Europe? Stockholm, Copenhagen, of course. Went to Sheffield. I saw Rome. that. Yeah. The great city uh, of Sheffield. The great city of Sheffield, exactly. <laughs> um, 
but then also out of uh, out of Europe as well, I spent half a year abroad in Taiwan in uh-huh. relation to my studies, that Asian studies program. Yep. Uh, did half a year there. So, of course, I, I biked there every day and, and tried implementing that. And that was also a challenge. But it is also a country that is just like Denmark, quite small. Right. And you can get you can get where you want to go on a bike. And that's also why I chose that, because although it didn't make the, as much sense as it could if I went to China, for example, China is just too big for a guy that's from Copenhagen. Um, but yeah, and then the Philippines, Indonesia, huh. um, also been places that I've gone with the project. So it's 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 and Iran. I was in last summer. Oh. That was very hectic, very interesting, and that's not a bike-friendly country at all. <laughs> uh, one of my uh, one of my first podcasts was with a, an Iranian uh, guy called Sina Saluksaran, uh, yeah. who ended up being kicked out of the country for his religious beliefs. But uh, oh, oh, wow. yeah, it's quite an interesting uh, story. I think it's uh, episode number five or six. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, he now lives over here and races his uh, mountain bike over here in the U.S. Um, awesome. But uh, he painted a, a great picture of, of living in Iran when, when he was yeah. there. Um, well, awesome. Um, a couple of, uh, of quickfire questions, Oliver. Uh, see if you yeah. can uh, answer these as, as quickly as you can. Who, sure. uh, who originally taught you to ride a bike? My parents. Um, what was your first bike? I don't know. Probably a very small children's bike. <laughs> probably, right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, what bikes do you own today? I own two single-speed bikes. Uh, very trendy. Uh, very why? Why do you focus on the uh, on the single speed and not one with gears? I suppose it's fairly flat there, so that's what you need. Yeah, exactly. It's very flat, and it's also very convenient that there's no more. There's no uh, parts of the bike. Like there's there's less parts of the bike that can be broken or yes. yeah, malfunction yeah. or even freeze when it's winter. So it's just it's really convenient. Yes. Um how many miles approximately or kilometers in your case uh did you ride last year? Oh my days. Uh ten thousand maybe? I don't know. It's okay. it's difficult. Like I uh, I bike so much every day and every week and it's just so much a part of my life that I don't really keep track. I have no idea and I don't think about it if I ride ride one or if I ride thirty kilometers a day. Okay. Um most a lot of people uh that I know uh track every single mile on Strava. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, they would instantly be able to answer that. It's refreshing to hear someone say, I'm pretty much just riding my bike because I enjoy it, not because I want to keep track of everything on Strava. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's uh, how a lot of Danes, they do it here, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, and final question, uh, the best ride that you ever went on? Oh, my God, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably... It's probably two, and that very. It was one in Sheffield when I went to the Peak District in Sheffield. Yes, right. And uh, also, I have to mention the Venice Beach Boardwalk in Los Angeles. There you go. Awesome. Well, um, uh, Oliver, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Uh, tremendous insight into what you're trying to do and where you want to go uh, with the project. Um, if you ever uh, want to get an insight into uh, what goes on here in Colorado, uh, please uh, give me a shout and I'll, I'll show you around. Sounds amazing. All right. Well, thank you very much, Oliver. Have a great you. day. You too. Bye. Bye.
We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Ben and Bikes podcast. You'll find this and many other episodes about athletes, authors, filmmakers, and community organizers, all with a story to tell about bikes by visiting benandbikes.com. Thank you for listening. We'd sure appreciate it if you could rate and review the Ben and Bikes podcast wherever you listen. We appreciate your support, and thanks for helping us connect with other bike enthusiasts. If you have a bike story to tell, email us, ben at benandbikes.com.